All right, they keep on coming. Here you go, Coop. You ready for another one? I'm ready for another one. Let's the guys, the guys are just lining up to talk to you. It, it kind of is. I saw I saw Bobby Dahlbeck, the first person I saw this morning. He was headed for his car for that long drive to Bradenton today. And I said, give him the, the old fist bump. I said, Robert Vernon, huh? Robert Vernon. That's his that's name. A, that's an elite middle name, Vernon. It is. I feel like, yeah. And he was explaining how he got his his uh his name Bobby from his uncle and so it was a great way to start the day. And speaking of great ways to start the day, I mean, he's obviously, he was on the podcast just a few days ago. And uh, so we're rolling along. And today, I was excited about today's guest. And he didn't disappoint. Matt Strom, who is going to be an integral relief pitcher for the Boston Red Sox, coming over from San Diego, but has, uh, has a great personality, also some great stories. Um, so... Before we before we get into the you breaking down the interview, which you do so well every single time, I do my best. Well, you do. So, let me just. I'm here to build up, not tear down. So I appreciate that. Uh, so before we do that, why don't we let everyone soak in the interview? Here is Matt Strom. All right, here we go. Uh, I think that a player who everyone's talking about. Congratulations, Matt. Appreciate it. Yeah. Appreciate it. And and listen, I mean. It's a great story, Matt. The fact is that, you know, like you had to, we, we can talk a little bit about this, but the workout that you have, the, what you overcame last year, your personality anyway, some of the things you do off the field, all of it. But the most important thing is, you know, when you talked to, when we talked to Alex Cora, he's like, you got to watch this kid. You got to watch this kid. Like he's good. And uh, right now I'm going to have to take his word for it. I've only seen you pitch once, but as we sit here right now, is this, I mean, this is hyperbole, but is this sort of the, the best that you have felt as a professional? Um, I would say back to my rookie year, this is probably as close as I've felt is to full healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, you know, it, part of the game I mean there's tons of guys that play this game hurt and we never know it and uh, you know I'm just doing what I can to be out there for as many games as possible so when so in case people don't understand you had last year you were cruising along and you have a knee thing mm-hmm. um, what, that's the unscientific way of saying you had any what exactly was your knee injury so people so yeah. when we tell this story when we do the 30 for 30 on your career <laughs> yeah, yeah. what exactly was a knee injury and how did you figure out was it something that was sudden was it something that was building up talk a little bit about that yeah so at the end of 2020 dr kremchek in cincinnati i had a patella repair and uh fixed my knee with a uh, a return window sometime between six months is what I was. And told. so was this a sudden thing or was it just like, oh, my, my knee sore. It doesn't no. feel right. Yeah. So I actually tore it in July, the summer camp of uh, the short season. Oh, I tore it that summer camp knowing we only had a 60 game schedule. Doctors kind of told me it was a pain tolerance thing that I could pitch on it until I couldn't stand it anymore and then could fix it at the end of the year and made it through the 60 game season um, got it fixed at the end of October and then was hoping for like a July comeback for 2021. And as I was rehabbing, um, according to the, the second surgeon, Elitrosh, he thinks I may have started throwing a little too early on my program. And uh, what happened was a bone spur formed in my mm-hmm. knee. And it was causing me from being able to get to full extension. So any exercises where 
I needed to extend my leg were extremely painful and I couldn't get all the way to full extension. Um, so I tried pitching on it. It was another one of those things where the doctors over there at San Diego told me it's not going to get worse. You can pitch on it if you can. And that one just got to a point where you I only pitched like four games, right? Yeah, yeah that yeah. one got to a point. I think it was in Colorado after that outing there. I woke up the next morning, couldn't even walk to the bathroom. And when was that? What what month was that? Last uh, year, August. That okay, in August. Okay. So um, got back to the hotel, and like I said, the next morning couldn't really walk normal, and that was kind of. The straw that broke the camel's back and was like you know i need to fix this now and then I, I ended up getting it fixed in september and i would say actually by two weeks post-op of getting that bone spur removed out of there um i had full extension back and felt better than i had the entire rehab process before mm-hmm. um but yeah full 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 extension but you're so you're a free agent though yeah and you're a free agent and you're you have you're having this surgery mm-hmm. And as much as you proved to be a major league pitcher before, you probably went like, eh, this is, this is a little uneasy, you know, heading into the offseason, right? Uh, you know, I've always said if uh, I got to bet on myself, I'll, I'll put my entire bank account on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always done that. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of knew where it was leading and what my road ahead was going to look like. And, uh, again, I would, I'll do that again. Did you did you almost did did teams show interest in you before the lockout? Because this is one of the things when it comes to this off season, it was before the lockout, after the lockout, people taking different approaches. Not only the players, but also the teams. Did anyone say, "Hey, we're going to get out ahead of this, and we want to try to lock you up before the lockout"? Yeah, so I think I got non-tendered like four hours before it. <laughs> And uh, actually, there were a few teams that reached out asking for the medicals, but all of them were up front saying, like, look, we're not going to have an offer before the lockout. There's too much of medicals to sort mm-hmm. out here. And honestly, I was that true four hours before it was. Don't quote me on that. It was very, very. It cool. was that day, though. The non-tender that was it the day before the lockout? yeah 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 was it the first yeah yeah it was right there okay so I got non-tendered that night and then the next morning was the lockout okay. so yeah yeah, yeah. yeah it wasn't maybe not four hours but and they're lockout. like they're like listen we like the idea of you but yeah, yeah there's too they, much stuff going on right and honestly looking back on it now if even if I would have tried to do something pre-lockout I would have mm-hmm. probably handcuffed myself to a lesser mm-hmm. lesser deal just because I wasn't throwing I think this was a blessing in disguise for me to be able to get healthy. And like I said, I threw that bullpen, and that was probably the best bullpen of my life. Yeah, so let's, let's jump forward to that. So you go through the lockout. You're, you're, where, you, where were you training? Uh, so I was training at a place. It's Banner Health. It was a PT place, but uh, I threw my bullpen at a place called uh, Fuel Factory. Okay, so you, you go through all the stuff. Then this was was this before the lockout? This was before the lockout ended that you worked out for the teams. No, this was the day after the lockout. The day ended. after. Yep. Okay. Was pla- I was planning to throw there regardless, but then it just worked out that the the lockout had ended, and then that night my agent sent out a bunch of emails to a mm-hmm. bunch of teams saying that I was throwing at X location mm-hmm. and. The next morning, like eighteen dudes showed up. Were, <laughs> were you surprised eighteen dudes showed up? Yeah, I mean, it was uh, from what it sounded like from my agent, it was going to be like six to seven guys, and then uh, at Fuel Factory, you have to go outside the facility to play catch, like in the desert, and then come back. So, like when my brother and I went out to the desert to play catch, 
there was probably like eight or nine guys in there. And then when we got back, it had like doubled. And I was like, oh, my. All right. Here we go. You, what, so bear with me. Yeah. What's the, what's the um, most nervous you have been pitching in a game? The most nervous I've been pitching in a game. I would definitely say it was my debut in Arlington. Just like you were like you like uh, Dennis Quaid coming out of the bullpen. You're, I'm totally dating myself. Yeah. The rookie. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, uh, actually, my first throw in the bullpen. If anyone remembers old Arlington Park, cleared the the wall there in the bullpen and went. No way. <laughs> yeah, went over into the stand. Yeah, really? So yeah, it was a little. That was that was the most nervous I would say I've been. After that, um, you know, it's. I've I've said it all along. I I usually black out when I'm when I'm warming up. Like once that phone rings and they call my name, I don't remember much after that until I sit down on the bench. So until you sit down on the bench after you pitch. Yeah. Yep. Really? Oh yeah. That's... I mean, like it, if you guys were to come up and interview me directly after I throw, like I would need I would need you to fill me in on what pitch where and all that. Like I. It's. Uh, are you so I I have to pick through this a little bit yeah, so. Yeah. We, so you get up, you warm up, now you blacked out, you're just throwing, and then you get in a game and you're just, I would imagine if you're blacked out, then you're just like relying on whatever the catcher puts down or... Yeah, I mean, I would say my shake rate in my big league career is in the single digit percentile. Um, <laughs> but again, that comes with just my, my confidence in all four pitches. Um, I'd throw any pitch, 3-2, bases loaded, doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. I mean... And I kind of also have that mentality of, I'm just going to make you miss this pitch. So mm -hmm. whatever the catcher puts down, I'm going to try and make him miss that one. Okay, so this is the reason I asked about the nervousness thing. Mm -hmm. I would imagine when you walk back in and there's 18 guys there or whatever, yeah. is it, are you nervous? Or once again, did you, did you, <laughs> did you black out? Uh, no, I, get, I wasn't nervous for that. Um, that's, I mean, a bullpen setting for... For me, with however many months I had to train for it, that's, I mean, I better be able to do that. That's kind of how my job line of work works. So, uh, you know, I wasn't wasn't too nervous. And again, I, this this lockout was a, a blessing for Were me. Were you like, able. when you started throwing, and yeah. you, you said, you have said that this is maybe the best bullpen session of your life, correct? Yeah. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah. When you start throwing it, were you like, "Yeah, yeah. let's uh, let's go"? Yeah, more so, more so after it. After I after I threw it and kind of sat down, and some of the guys were like, "Just, I mean, you know, just telling you like how nasty or whatever it looked or whatever." Then I just started to be like, "Okay, I should I should have a job here in the next forty eight hours, hopefully." And you said you got calls right away, or your agent got yeah, calls. Yeah, right I, th I threw the bullpen at eleven a.m. and I believe at like. Three o'clock, my agent was calling me with what teams were interested already. And the Red Sox were at the top of the list. Yeah, they were one of the very first ones. So I saw a report, I forget where it was, but it was like basically you made yourself a million dollars with that. <laughs> Did you see that? Uh, I didn't see that report, but that's kind of what I was talking about with the blessing in disguise mm -hmm. for this lockout because, again, uh, the way it works, and I was in arbitration, got non tendered, wasn't looking at a big raise with it being uh being injured and whatnot but uh being able to get healthy and show teams i was healthy and ready to go it kind of played into my benefit it's a great story and a good contract yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. it's like, I, I you know listen you can ask me how much i make that's fine yeah, yeah, yeah. but this is part of people like no yeah so how much were you making like, like last year was yeah. 
2.05. Okay, so yeah. 2.05, you get hurt, and a lot of people are like, oh, my goodness, you get hurt. He's going to have to sign a minor league deal, whatever. Yeah. And you signed a $3 million deal? Yep. And, um, and to show, like, I was thinking about this last night, and again, maybe this is tasteless. I apologize. No, you're good, you're good. Okay. But Chris Archer signed, like, a $3 million, just over $3 million deal. Yeah. Now, Chris Archer is like obviously he's coming back from stuff, but still this is a guy who is going to be perceived as in a starting rotation, and you are a relief pitcher. Mm -hmm. We all know how valuable the relief pitcher, but that to me that shows you how much they thought of you, right? I mean, am I off base here? No, I think uh, I I don't think I just get looked at as just a relief pitcher. and I didn't. I yeah. I was not devaluing your your no, no, lot. No, 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 not no, not yeah. at all. I just I just think that's the way the game's going. Is guys who, guys who can start a game go one time through a lineup. But the opener, like mm-hmm. we've seen it. Um, you've seen the the swing man that can go the fourth fifth the fourth fifth and sixth mm-hmm. and get it to the back end of the bullpen. Um, you know, and I quit calling myself a starter or a reliever. I just call myself a pitcher. Mm-hmm. When, whenever they give me that ball and whenever they tell me to go on the mound and throw it, that's that's what I'm going to do. And, I mean, a role – my role is to get out. When when anyone asks me about a role, it's like, get out. Mm-hmm. Innings one through nine, we need 27 of them. I'm here to get however many of them you need me to get mm-hmm. on however many days you need me to get them. Um, you know, that's my job. And – Again, I think I think the game is valuing relief pitchers more as as it. Oh, there's, there's no question. And you know who said that? Like I, almost exactly a year ago, I was talking to Garrett Whitlock, and he mm-hmm. was like, "That was the best advice that I had ever gotten. When you go on the mound, your job is to get an out. Yep. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing. Nothing. Nothing good can happen until you get the until you get the first out. Like, yeah. I mean, it's just. It's just the way this game is, uh, is is made. By the way, I did. Speaking of blacking out, I did. I got. A, I hadn't seen you pitch in person, and I was at the game up in Sarasota, Sarasota, right? And you do like you do. Fiery is such a stupid word, <laughs> but if I like you do like yeah. you do, you are animated, right? Yeah, I I, I call it word vomit on the mound. Um, there's, I mean, I get. Plenty of text messages from my mom after the game. She's done an excellent job at reading lips and uh, tends to be somewhat vulgar. But uh, yeah, I get I get very animated. I call it my word vomit. But uh, yeah, can we make T-shirts that say word vomit? <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's a thing. I'm right? down. Yeah, yeah, I got I got a bad case of word vomit when I'm on the mound, no doubt. <laughs> all right, all right. So, and last thing about sort of pitching, you um, since you've been here. Um, or you go through the workout, you have the experience, now you're here. Is there anything that that has changed for you at all? I know that it's like the easy answer is I'm going out and pitching and everything up, but you know, they they like saying, Hey, if you do this or you do that or you do this or whatever. Is anything changed? Yeah, I mean, as far as like you're talking like overall health? No, just like just like the way they say, well, throw this pitch more or throw that pitch more or, you know, everything's so condensed here, spring training, especially for, yeah. like, all the pitchers. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's not – you don't want to change too much. You just want to get rolling, you know? Yeah, and I, th- I think that's kind of – I think this is a unique spring training where they're they're probably not tinkering as much as they would because, like you said, it's only three and a half weeks. Um, but I think, I think I fit in well here with the, the pitching philosophy of – 
we're going to go right at you. And mm -hmm. um, that's that's how I've always been. Mm -hmm. um, if you hit fastball in, I'm going to throw you a fastball in until you hit my fastball in. Mm -hmm. Like just because it's a fastball in, it's not my fastball. So that's that's <laughs> kind of how I look at it. Um, you know, but as far as like tinkering, haven't really tinkered with much. Uh, just I've yeah. been. Why tinker, man? Like you just <laughs> threw a bullpen that made you three million dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, no tinkering needed, I guess. You know, just let it eat. All right, so go back to word vomit. You have the, you know, you, you get the hair flying around, the word vomiting and yeah. everything else. Um, do pit, do hitters ever get pissed off? Have has a hitter ever got pissed off at you? Uh, no, because I usually, uh, my word vomit contains my own name. I'm usually yelling at myself. Uh, so, you, wait, you, you refer to yourself? As Matthew, yeah, I yell at myself. Okay. I'll, I mean, I don't even know an example, but, yeah, I'll just always end it with Matthew, as if I'm really? talking to myself. Yeah, That's I don't know awesome. why. Yeah, but it's, uh, so no, I've never had a hitter really get mad, because I think it, it's very clear at who I'm mad at out there. You know what's funny is that you you integrate your mom being mad at you for for vo word vomiting. Yeah. What does a mother always do when they're really mad at their oh, kid? Calls me by my full name, Matthew. Right. Yeah, that's that was. I mean, the only people that call me Matthew are my mom, my aunts, and my wife. So, <laughs> so, so and, 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 and by myself. the way, and yourself yeah, and myself. Yeah. So I guess I'm, I'm learning <laughs> that, that. that when I'm in trouble, it's Matthew. So I yell at myself as Matthew. That is. Awesome. What's your middle name? Scott. Matthew. Yeah, well, now, yeah you, I get it. Get it plenty. If you, if you give up a home run, then oh, it yeah. becomes Matthew Scott, yeah, right? No doubt. No doubt. All right. Let's this, this go to the low-hanging fruit, the hair and the YouTube channel. Yeah. All right. Which what, Spin the wheel of, uh, of you. What do you want to start with? Uh, I guess we can go to the long hair. Okay. Last time you get a haircut. Uh, well, I got a trim about three months ago. My dad gave me a trim when he was visiting. Arizona. Um, my last legit haircut would have been July of 2017. The last time I got more than two inches cut off of it, I would say. Talk, talk to me about the commitment. Uh, uh, yeah. So uh, the awkward stage is uh, definitely the hardest part of it. Uh, I've tried to grow out my hair a couple times. Uh, once in college, got to the awkward stage. Coach didn't like it, made me cut it. Um, and then again, when I uh, blew my knee out and uh, getting through the awkward stage was a lot easier when I was on crutches because I didn't have any obligations to look good for. Um, and I also had except an your wife. Yeah. And I had an excuse of uh, not to sit in the barber chair, but actually uh, long hair's grown on my wife. She likes it. Really? Yeah. Yeah. All right. I've uh, I mentioned a couple times over the last two or three years of cutting it. And she's she said, no, I like it. Keep it. So. Keep it. Okay, so do you, do you, like, could you, if you put it, we were talking about this on the podcast the other day, I forget what it was, it was about height or something. Oh, I know what I was saying. We were talking about Marcelo Meyer, the, the yeah. prospect. I said, the thing that's striking to me, I'm like, he has superstar height. And when I say that, I'm like, he's just about six two and a half, yeah. right? And then, so Coop, the guy, the guy, my partner here, it's like, well, I'm about 5'9". Yeah, but if you put your hair up, you'll be like 6'3". If you put your hair up, straight up, like... It's got to be an extra 30 inches, so I'm 6'3", so I'd be... I would say I'm at least 8'5". Have you ever, have you ever dabbled in, 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 like, the big man bun thing? Oh, yeah. I always, oh, really? I always oh, wear it. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I, right. I haven't uh, 
worn it much out here lately just because I haven't had uh, haven't had time in a barber's chair to clean up the neck and the sides. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I wear it up in a bun quite often. Here's here's the breaking – this is where we're going to break news. What has your hat size gone to – how has your hat size changed? It actually hasn't. Ooh. I just stretch it. So uh, oh. we have hat stretchers in the uh, – Okay. And I, li- I like uh, my stuff really tight. So I always take a, a quarter and stretch it out. So it's, okay. uh, it works. The uh, – so – do you and like people like players with long hair? Okay, okay. It's, it's a scientific yeah, yeah, fact, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't know if you feel like people like have gravitated to you more. Uh, I, I think uh, it just makes us easier to remember. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, that one. Um, so before we get into the YouTube thing, uh, I I converse with another um, uh, cli- uh, client of your agency, jo- okay. Joseph. Kelly, right? Yeah. 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 So we talk a lot about um, showing personalities. And I actually was just talking to Derek Holland about this, about, you know, obviously Derek has a great personality. And he said, you know, he has a great story about a sick young man who basically had like re-emphasized, hey, be yourself. Don't Mm -hmm. be afraid to be yourself. Like, I feel like you're the type of guy, like, this this is good, man. Like, all this stuff that we're talking about, you know, the word vomit, the, the hair, the what we're going to talk about, the YouTube, everything. Yeah. It's good. Like, players should understand yeah. this, right? Yeah, and, yeah. But, you know, but bear with me. Like, this, you know, one of the things I talk with with Joe is that, you know, players and teams for a long time, they're like, yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But when you're a rookie, like he gave this example the other day, like when you're a rookie – like they say, don't do this, don't do that, yep. don't do this, don't do that. Yep. Do you feel like we're cracking through this with baseball a little bit? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think, I think the younger generation, it's like, be yourself. Um, just because, I mean, if you're yourself, you're more comfortable, and then you're going to play better. If you're coming to the yard and you're worried mm-hmm. about, did I wear the right pants or, like, just the the, the little things mm-hmm. that don't really matter that guys used to nitpick at but you don't want to be made fun of i mean honestly this to me this is a thing because you guys are around the clubhouse dynamic is like unlike any other sport you guys are around each other more than you're around your family and this is why i think honestly not i'm not believe i'm not talking politics but i think politics never was in baseball because it's such a polarizing thing so you don't when you show up, you don't want to have an awkward conversation with anyone, right? No, not at all. Like you said, um, we share that clubhouse with each other for 162 games mm-hmm. for 12 hours a day. Like it's a, it's a place of of comfort, and I think that's kind of what guys have leaned leaned towards. Is like, yo, you just got to be yourself here, be comfortable, um, but be respectful. That's the that's the biggest thing. Is uh, these young guys. I feel like have learned that you can be yourself, but you got to respect. Like when Chris Sale walks through that clubhouse, you're goofing off, and he's in a serious mood. Like it's time, it's time to be serious, or mm-hmm. like any anything like that. Or if he's goofing off, goof off with him. Like there's there's it's it's a respect thing, but at the same time, there's there's a lot more leeway nowadays to be yourself. All right, that's good. And speaking of being yourself, you have a YouTube. You have yep. officially, um, congratulations. You have the most YouTube followers of any player in Boston Red Sox history. Um, So talk a little bit about this, and I appreciate you taking this time. So talk a little bit about um, the evolution 
talk, well, this, you, I, the floor is yours when yeah. it comes to your to YouTube channel. Yeah, so actually, uh, the way it started was um, my brother got me back into baseball cards 2018, 2019. And uh, Phil Hughes, one of my ex-teammates in San Diego, uh, he started his own YouTube channel called Phil's Pulls. And uh, my brother and I would watch him open up all these boxes. And then when 2020 hit and fans weren't allowed to come to uh, the stadium anymore, I pitched the idea to Phil, and Phil thought it would be a great idea, so I gave it a go. And uh, like you said, it's, I mean, 7,000 people that want to sit there and watch me open cards. And when did it start? Uh, that would have started July or August of 2020. Okay, so, and give me the name of it. Uh, Strom Stadium Pulls. Okay, and so you film it, and you said your buddy like he edits it up. Yeah, I mean, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, I just uh, I video it on my phone and then I cloud share the the video to him and he edits it and posts it to YouTube. What's been the best episode? Uh, so here's the other thing about me. Uh, I don't watch my episodes. Oh. I don't. Uh, and like, no offense to this, but like, I don't like listening to myself. So I don't. I don't listen to even uh, the the show I do on Bally Sports called The Card Life. Uh, producer sends me the video to share with my mom and my wife mm-hmm. because I don't watch like I just I don't know I don't like watching myself no, I, I, myself, I don't so. believe me I, yeah. <laughs> I don't listen to myself and neither so, does anyone else so, so but but my favorite pull on there of one of the episodes was uh, a super fractor Pete Alonzo I hit um, that was one of my last videos of 2020 actually and hit a hit a super fractor on Cardano that was really cool so, what was the first baseball card that you ever got? Ooh, the first one I ever got. Or what was the one you remember? The very first one I remember as like one of my first cards that I displayed was a uh, um, a pro debut Kirby Puckett card. It's like his first minor mm-hmm. league jersey. It's uh, I have it in like a plaque, like a screw in plaque. It's pretty cool. Do you really? Yeah, good for and you. Then, um, Otherwise, uh, you know, any Ersted card growing up. Oh, yeah. any we haven't even talked about North Dakota. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, Darren Ersted, I uh, collected quite a few of his cards. Any card. There was a local store called Big Nick's in uh, Fargo. And any time I'd go in there and there'd be a new Ersted, I'd try to get it. I, how many people from North Dakota have played? played in the big leagues? Yeah. There's some ridiculous number. Ro- like Roger, Roger Maris. Okay, that's what I was gonna. Like okay. the back of my rookie baseball card says I'm like the 14th born, but of those 14, there's only like six or seven of them that were truly raised in North Dakota. Some of them were born in Fargo, but grew up in Minnesota. Right. Fargo's right on the border. Um, but the main ones are Roger Maris, then you got uh, Rick Helling, Darren Erstead, Travis Hafner, Chris Coast. And um, myself, Andy Young, mm. and uh, Eric Swanson, who's with Seattle. I'll, I can give him shit on this. He uh, lives in North Dakota. He he grew up in North Dakota until he was like middle or high school or not middle, probably elementary school, and then moved to Iowa. So. Mm. Not not a not a full blood North Dakotan, but uh, I guess he counts. He was North Dakota born. Are you so? You know, obviously Fargo is a. I would imagine there's a few tall buildings there. Yeah, a right, couple, a right, couple. yeah. But did <laughs> you break the wind up somehow? Yeah. 
Was uh, did you um, did you have uh, was your town small? Uh, so my graduating class was actually uh, like four hundred and fifty something. Oh, that's not that small. No, uh, we're we're one of the bigger cities in North Dakota, but one of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, uh, so yeah, I didn't grow up in small town. I grew up in a decent city. Mm-hmm. Um, there's again, it's it's cold. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's it's. Listen, I mean, this is it would be insulting for me. It's like, how did you ever get out of North North Dakota? I mean, because yeah. it's there's places far more remote than North yeah. Dakota. No, no. Uh, but to get out of North, my my goal my senior year was to play baseball as far south as I could. And uh, I had two college offers coming out of high school. One was in Jamestown, North Dakota, and the other was in Chanute, Kansas. And Chanute is much further south than Jamestown, so packed up my car, and that's where I that's where I ended up. It is crazy. Like so, when you pack up your car and you go to that the school in Kansas, like everyone has dreams of being a major leaguer. Yep. Sitting here in the interview room at JetBlue Park and doing yep. this podcast, right? Yep. But it's. You know, and and you think about how many kids go to Vanderbilt, go to USC, mm-hmm. go to whatever, and they don't no. sniff no. what you're doing now. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. awesome. Yeah, I mean, I would even say, I mean, my ultimate goal is obviously to play Major League Baseball. But when I was going to Kansas, my goal was to play Division One baseball. Like I knew, like I kind of took it step by step, knowing what I needed to do to make it here. And coming out of high school, I was an 83 mile an hour lefty, like. They're everywhere. Like, it's not like I was something special out of high school. So uh, I knew there was a lot of work to put in. And, uh, yeah, I uh, went headed south with intentions to try play Division One, and uh, skipped that and went right to Pro Bowl. So you went from the 83 miles an hour to, to blowing 96 in a bullpen well, in front that, of 18 scouts. Yeah, that, that, uh, that's been a 10-year cycle, I guess. I went from 83 to... 91 in my time there. So. Oh, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Yep. How do you do that? Uh, I've never once lifted a weight in my life until I got to college, and I never once had a throwing program until I got to college. Oh, really? Yep. What I mean, would... growing up, I would play catch to warm up. That's about it. I would never play catch to strengthen. So so tell, tell me, tell the youngsters out there, because yep. we're all about building up the youth of tomorrow. Yeah. If you had to say, do this one thing. Now, I just saw Nate Evaldi hauling around a sled around, you know, with a bunch of weights on mm-hmm. it. That's a complimentary thing. Yep. That doesn't make him throw 99. No. Tell me the one thing that you would say, do this. I would say do everything. Just stay athletic. Mm-hmm. Um, the kids that focus on one sport, I think, tend to lose athleticism. Thank you. Thank you. Like, uh, do, it, do it as long as you could. I, I tried, but I just wasn't good enough at other sports my sophomore year of high school and got cut from basketball. And you whatnot. did? Oh, yeah. I wasn't. Could you dunk? Uh, no, 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 no. My sophomore year of high school, I was maybe 5'5". Five, five. I wasn't very big. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So, no, I, uh, yeah, I would, I would say my one piece of advice is stay as active as possible, do everything. Do as much as possible. You know, there's an actor from North Dakota. Yeah, he, uh, the dude in, uh, well, I'm blanking on his name. Fergie's ex-husband. Yeah, blanking on his name. Right. You know now. what? He was came up to the broadcast booth. Okay. We, I was doing the game yeah. up in Toronto, and Joe Castiglione, the the legendary broadcaster, I get a chance to do these games with, and uh, Josh 
Josh Jamal, yeah, right? There we go. Josh I, Jamal. I could see his. I knew his initials. I was like, it's JD. Yeah. I was like, I know it's. Something. And the highlight of that was he was still married to Fergie at the time. He's like, the highlight was, but he was telling the story. This is a great story that that he lied to his parents that he was going to like Los Angeles for dent dentist school. Yeah. Right. And then he's out there acting. And he's out there yeah. acting. And he says to Joe, oh, Joe is like, oh, you are Fergie's husband. And it's like, oh, Joe, you're a big Fergie fan, huh? <laughs> so people, people yeah. make it from North Dakota. Yeah, yes, there's uh, a few of us. Yeah, so. Good for you. All right, well, you've been very generous with your time. I apologize for taking up, no, but uh, very interesting. And, uh, and you, are, you have T-shirts on the way, <laughs> and you have been adopted to our family. And, uh, and if you ever need anything from the Bradfoe Show family, just let me know. Awesome. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me. All right, good stuff. Good stuff. What was the, There was a lot to pick through. There's a lot going on there. A ton. Um, a ton, uh, including like he blacks out. I like anytime you have a good. That was the so the first story. thing I thought of. So that the first thing I what were you blackout story now? Uh, no, the I, first the thing, thing I, I think of was old school. It it, it the scene in old school with Will Ferrell, where he's d- debating, I, he blacks out. No, I I'll be honest. I haven't seen that movie in so oh. long. <laughs> All right. Anyway, go 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 go. Oh, I was just thinking of Joe Kelly. Joe Kelly had like an amazing quote after the. Um, the Tyler Austin fight where he was just like, I, I just kind of black out and go into psycho mode or something. Yeah. Yeah. So him, those, those two, I think would, uh, I think those, those two would get along very nicely. I also love, I love the Matt Strom cursing um, scenarios and cursing. Oh, description. The, right? the first thing I thought of was when like how he's like MFing himself is just like how he calls himself Matthew. First thing I thought of was just like, that's what his mom called him. And, and, and he went right to that when we talked yeah. about it. I said, because he, he, what he says, obviously, he says, you know, when when I curse at myself, I always end it with Matthew, the full name. And as you point out so expertly, Coop, like that's what parents do. It said all you have to do is integrate the middle name. And then now you know you're really. In that, yeah, that's when you yeah. know, like Cooper William. That's <laughs> yeah. when I know. Robert Farnsworth. Farnsworth? Yeah. Talk about elite middle names. I know. I mean, I would be making so much more money right now if I just committed to R. Farnsworth for my pen name. Uh, Yeah. Immediately, immediately. But nope, nope. Instead, it's just, you know, Bradfoe. R. Farnsworth doesn't fit on the uh, T-shirt. You should have done like the R, the F. Scott Fitzgerald. I know. Like I said, I wouldn't be making it works. More it money. plays. Uh, it does play. So give me some t- other takeaways from the uh, the Matt Strom interview. Other takeaways: the the value of the reliever, it's going up. And, and well, like you okay. say, so so I thought it was uh, borderline tacky of me, but once I went down the road, I felt like I had to commit to it and just say, listen, you know, we I I offered. I said, you want to talk about my contract? Go ahead. But I'm going to talk about. You were waiting for him to ask, and if he asked, I would not have told him. And so, what, what is it? What is it? My contract. It's ten years with a team option. There you go. Yeah. So, um, but I, you know, it, it, the reality of Matt Strom's contract, and he was great. It's you know, so we're sitting across from each other, and you can tell like he's engaged. He doesn't mind talking about it. He's just a good guy, man. Like. We talk about Canadians all being nice people. I think North Dakota, North Dakota is nice person. I mean, no, no disrespect to North Dakota, but it's it's basically Canada, no? Well, that's what I felt. I felt like there's a lot of Canadian uh, 
vibes going on. But so anyway, I said, you literally made a million dollars off that workout. Maybe more, maybe $3 million. I mean, because it's going to be such a good feeling. If, yeah. Oh yeah. And if, if you have a bad workout, then you probably have to sign for a minor league deal. Maybe. Right. So yeah. he, instead, you know, a lot of people thought, okay, he has a decent workout. He has the major league experience. He's going to get around a million, two million, but no, boom, three, three million. Mil. And as I point out, did you follow where I was going with the Chris Archer thing? What, that he's more valuable than Chris Archer? Yeah, well, Chris Archer signed for the same thing. And, like, that's unheard of. Chris Archer, a guy who is probably – I mean, be- how many se- how many seasons has he had now? Chris Archer? He's been around for a bit No, now. I understand that. My, my point is, is that this is the guy who is being uh, earmarked for the, a, the starting rotation of the Minnesota Twins. So, in other words, he is a member of the starting rotation. He is making the same amount of money. And people say Bloom doesn't throw money around. I know. Well, so, uh, yeah, and there's a lot. It's just, man, like I said to him, it's he has been adopted. I told you we're going to adopt him, right? He tweeted tweeted out today that he's going to open cards up on the monster. And if I can weasel my way into that, come on. Are you signing? Are you signing on for the adoption of Matt Strom? Why not? Okay. It'd be dumb not to. Well, okay. Well, I mean, the. The house is getting a little full. We have Rod Benellis. I mean, Rod Benellis. Alex Benellis. Rod Benellis. Rod, who is Rod Benellis? I feel like I don't know. <laughs> we have Alex Benellis. Shout out Rod Benellis. <laughs> we have Alex Benellis. We have, now we have Matt Strom. I feel like Marcelo is only a matter of time. Nah. Oh. No, I mean, he's fine. Oh, he's fine. He yeah, lost he, bad in mini golf last night. I don't know if you were paying he, attention to the players' uh, did he, did Instagram he, oh, stories. Oh, did, oh, did Benellis beat him? Benellis, Benellis put him on the spot. Mm. They, 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 he posted the the entire uh, score sheet there. Okay. Oh, did he? Okay, there you yeah. go. Uh, well, hopefully they, both of them come on um, the Bradford Show terrestrial radio version on Saturday. Um, they have invitations, and they also need a car ride, so I might have to give them a ride. Because they literally don't have transportation from their hotel. Does Marcelo so, even have a license? Do you, I mean, like, when you're that good at baseball, do you worry about getting a license in high school? That's fair. That's yeah. fair. Although, although now that I've been watching the Uber series on Showtime, I don't feel, like, confident in, in doing anything. In Ubering everywhere? Uber, Ubering anywhere. Um, anyway, Matt Strom, congratulations. You've been adopted into the family. Um, you got a big okay. contract, so you can build an extension onto the house. There you go. <laughs> That's true. You're worried about people in the house. He can build. He can build himself a nice extension oh, in law. There's a lot of and and by the way, we haven't even mentioned the other Bradfro emergency Bradfro show that yep. dropped, right? Yep. So that was you, that was juicy. Yeah, I mean, so in case people people should go watch or listen or whatever, actually probably just listen. But I saw Garrett Whitlock and I saw Tanner Houck sitting there, right? I'm like, here it is. This is the window. I said, fellas, pull up a chair. We're about to go all Conor McGregor, Floyd Mayweather. Here we go. Let's do it. And sure enough, it was, they showed up. It was the best hype press conference in the history of the Red Sox locker room. That was, that was like UFC 230, whatever they're on now. They're... People are going to be buying the pay-per-view. So go, so go listen to that. It's not very long. It's only about five, six minutes. But what the conclusion 
is that we've taken things next level, right? So the next, by being next level, I mean, who needs a sprint when you can have a cornhole competition? But game of skill. <laughs> Any, anyone can, well, not anyone can run. FDR couldn't, but uh, it's a game of skill. <laughs> can we put that on a, can, can we get Nate going? Can we put that on like a quote board? A quote card? A quote FDR card? couldn't. I'm just taking <laughs> anyone, shots at the deceased. And anyone can run dot, dot, that FDR couldn't slash coop it's true i mean yes exactly it's science it uh, is but so uh, a, cornhole bago yeah, cornhole what do you call it yeah, whatever cornhole yeah. fine i'm throwing bean bags into into a hole there you go <laughs> there you go so but i have a spot here now we're running out of time down here at fort myers but i feel like we can squeeze this in i feel that we can squeeze this in so i'm confident there's so there's a lot going on so I want to plea to everybody, make a plea to everybody. Please go subscribe. Keep listening. Tell us who you want on the podcast. Coop, you tell me who you want on the podcast. And it's not just like Xander Bogarts and J.D. Martinez and Chris Sale and these guys. There's time for that. But if you want somebody on the podcast, then let me know. And we'll, we'll effort that. Because, listen, once you get the momentum, Coop, it's, it's like a lot a, more. A lot. It's it's a train. You just can't. You can't stop. You it. can't stop it. No, you can't Jinx. stop. No, there, there you go. Where's simpatico? All right, <laughs> all right. Matt Strom, soak it in. Not. I'm not talking to Matt Strom. I'm talking to everybody else. Matt Strom. Dot, soak dot, it dot, in. Dot, soak it in. Matt all Strom, right. soak it in too. Oh yeah. Listen, our brand, our brand, the Bradford Show brand has never been hotter in North Dakota right now. That's my my prediction. So there you go. And now, by the way. Some great Josh Jamal talk. Yeah, getting getting a lot of shine. I, I he's gonna he's gonna have his name popping up. And he's just gonna be like, what, what's going on here? I am gonna absolutely tag him on this podcast. I let's get him on. I actually, what's I he think, been up to? I think I have a photo of me me and Joe Castiglione posing with Josh Jamal. No okay. kidding. Yeah. So I have photo. All I need is Darren Erstad to complete my North North Dakota set, and I'll be all set. There you go. So anyway, good job, Coop. All right. Great up. Great up.